Many of you probably in the past 30 minutes outside of worshiping the Lord have been uh, you know, curious as to what in the world is going on over here. Um, and uh, let me share it with you just because, uh, you know, it's, it's about that time to do that. Um, I don't know how many of you are curious people, but if I would have been down there not knowing what was up here, it probably would have derived the past 30 minutes of my time, uh, my focus off of worship. So I apologize about that. But I wanted to save this for now. Um, number one, because it kind of looks odd up here just to have a toolbox without you knowing what it is. Uh, but the second thing is, is because curiosity is something that I think a lot of us as adults may have forgotten about. You know, when we were kids, curiosity was a part of life. It's, it's how we learned to be who we are today. We had to be curious about things because it's how we would uh, learn new things and uh, find new ways of accomplishing things. And when I was a, a, a child, one of my curious things that I liked to do was go out to my grandfather's barn and look through his tools. He always was creating things and building things. Um, to this day, I've got this nice little wood block set that he built. And I was just always curious as to how he built that. He built picnic tables and all kinds of stuff. In fact, i got a little picture of him. Here's uh, Wilfred Carlson here, himself in the flesh. Um, and uh, this is, he was a master sergeant for, uh, in the Army. And he, his main job at this time when this photo was taken was at uh, Salfridge. He would uh, basically um, be in charge of fixing things. So he's got a big list of things behind him that he'd find things that were wrong and then get people to help fix them and, you know, get things accomplished. So uh, I like to think that that's part of who I am today because of who he was uh, in his operation of getting things done. So, yeah, thank, thank the Lord for grandpas and for uh, grandpas that, that do um, that type of work and get us motivated. Well, when we talk about being a tool in the master's hands, we want to talk about what it is to find significance as being a tool in the master's hands. You know, we can be uh, a tool for the Lord, um, an instrument for him, but what does it mean to really be used by him in an appropriate nature? Again, when I was a kid um, and curiosity got the best of me and I went out to my grandfather's tool uh, barn or shed and I found all of his tools and his uh, you know, toolboxes, um, I, I would pick a lot of them up and go, I have no idea what these things are. You know, you're looking at uh, items like this going, what do you do with something like that? Um, but over time, you start to learn what these things do by watching somebody else use them. And that was my case in being a curious kid and watching my grandfather work with tools. I had the same opportunity as a parent um, over the past nine years with my daughter. You know, we started off when she was probably three, four years old. She would be down in my workshop, and I had, to, when I say a workshop, please don't take that as, like, I build stuff. Um, it's just where I put my tools at that I might or might not know what they're for. Um, so th things I've inherited over time. Uh, but it, so I have a toolbox kind of like this, and she came across screwdrivers and uh, drill bits and drills and wood blocks and paint and all those things. And so she would, she would want to know how to use those things. So we'd, we'd attempt to drill into wood blocks, and we'd attempt to do little uh, parts and pieces, things to do. But it wasn't really until I showed her how to do them that she kind of figured out how to do them. Now she would say, she's nine years old, she's old enough, she could do it herself. All right, that's what she would tell dad. Dad, I got this. But the reality is, is that really we, we never learn 
how to become that master until we keep the master of our tools until we keep utilizing them on a continual basis. And so when we talk about finding significance of a tool in the master's hands, I want you to think of how many times in the past, however old you are, how many, however long you've known the Lord, has the Lord used you to glorify him? Has the Lord used you to accomplish something for his will? Now, we, we might go day after day after day not realizing that God is using us in a tremendous way. Maybe it's because we've forgotten that, hey, the power of God resides within us. The Holy Spirit, the same spirit that lived within Christ now lives within us. And, and Jesus even told his disciples, you'll go on to do greater things than I've even done. And so we may have even forgotten that. And day after day, God is using us, and we just haven't remembered. Or maybe we're on the other end of things, and we have not made ourselves available for the Lord to be used. Or on the complete opposite end of things, maybe we have been used by the Lord, and maybe we've taken it as kind of our own desires or our own purposes being accomplished. Wherever you are this morning, this is what we're going to dig into. We're going to dig into allowing God to use us for his purpose and for his glory. And so talking about significance, talking about tools, when, uh, when you get a new tool, when you see a new tool or have a new tool or maybe somebody gifts you a new tool like at Christmas and you don't know how to use it, um, you, you know, you can kind of look at it funny in the package and go, okay, I'm going to read the instructions, see how this stuff works. I don't know if you've ever, you know, saw that stuff that, like, supposed to stop water from coming out of, like, holes in boats and things. I don't know if that stuff works. I don't have a boat. I don't think I'd attempt to use tape on a boat to make me float out into the water. But apparently people do. And, and they read the instructions and they figure out how to do it because somebody else showed it on an infomercial and that was how it was done. Well, God had a way of showing off who he was throughout Scripture, right? God used individuals to proclaim his glory and his purpose to people who didn't already know who he was. And so we see that, that that's what happens in Acts. We know the story of the, the apostles coming together, them praying, being in one accord, and then the Holy Spirit falls on them. They start to speak with other tongues. There are people in this area of the land. They hear them speaking with other tongues, but they're hearing them in their own language. And it's this amazing thing that blows up. Then God shows up on the scene in such a powerful way that, there's no, that there is no way to disclaim what has just happened. There has been a revelation of who God is now to not only the Jewish people, but also to the Gentiles. To all those who knew who the apostles were, knew who Jesus was, now there is a recognition of that power come on the scene. And so in Acts 9, we're going to hear a story about how there was someone who was coming after the Christians who really God wanted to use to proclaim who Jesus was. So if you want to follow along with me, it's Acts 9, verse 11 through 15, 16, excuse me. It says, the Lord told him, he's speaking to Ananias, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street. Okay, that's Judas on Straight Street. (laughs) This isn't Judas that betrayed Jesus. This is a different Judas. Um, And I do think it's very interesting that the Bible actually says Straight Street, right? Like it calls out the specific town, the specific street, I mean, the specific person's house. This is how specific God is. You know, sometimes we don't, 
we're, we're not listening for God to be so specific, or we're not asking him to be specific. This is, this is uh, God showing up on the scene saying, this is how specific I want to be. And I want to share with you this morning, I think God wants to be specific in our lives. God wants to be specific in your life this morning. He wants to give you directions on a daily basis. The question is, are we willing to hear? And then are we willing to do? You know, because sometimes when I tell my daughter to do stuff, it takes me like eight, nine, ten times to say it before it gets done, if it gets done. But <laughs> if, if I say it enough, sometimes she'll just learn to do it. Sometimes it just becomes second nature. You know, we had this conversation yesterday about doing some chores around the house. Like, if I don't have to tell you to do it, then you're showing me that, that you really want to do it and know what you're doing. And God here is telling Ananias in such a direct way, hey, do this, do this, do this. Go to Judas's house on Straight Street to accomplish this goal. And because, because Ananias is following the Lord, he's going to do it, right? I mean, that's the idea here. As he hears from the Lord, he's going to do it. Here's what, here's what uh, the Lord goes on to say. He says, and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying in a vision. He has seen a man named Ananias. He's seen you coming to this place to lay, his, to lay your hands on him to restore his sight. So that should be the end of it, right? Ananias should say, yes, Lord, I hear you. I'm going to go do what you've called me to do. I mean, that's what we all do, right? That, like, the, yes, Lord, I hear you. You want me to go sell all my possessions and go wherever. Yes, Lord, I hear you. You want me to babysit my grandchildren for three nights. Okay, great. Um, I don't have grandchildren, but I'm speaking to you as a grandparent. Uh, you'll just do it, right? I mean, that's if the Lord told you to do it, you're going to do it. Okay. Well, Ananias does, just doesn't do it. Here's what Ananias, he says. He says, but uh, the, he says, Lord, Ananias said, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call upon your name. So, Lord, are you telling me to go to see this guy who's been sent with authority from the chief priest so that I can be arrested? I mean, so now he's trying to barter with guys, trying to bargain with guys, trying to say, well, I'll, you know, if you want me to go, this is, this is what's going to happen. Like, I know, I know more than you, right, Jesus? I know more than you, right, Lord? This is what Ananias is saying to the Lord, like, are you sure? Because if I go, I, I don't think I'm going to be able to lay hands on him to receive sight. I think I'm going to go and He's going to arrest me or detain me or something's going to happen. The Lord has to then come alongside of him and encourage him. And, and the Lord says to Ananias, go. I mean, th there's an exclamation point in the Bible, in Acts. It says, G-O, exclamation point. So he yells at him. He's like, get up. You ever have to do that to your kid? Get up. We're leaving right now. Go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. You see, Ananias had to follow the Lord's purpose and calling, even though it was a difficult situation, because he had to present this opportunity for Paul to come to, to have sight from the Lord and to recognize who Jesus was. If, for many of you that may know the, the story of, of Saul of Tarsus, Saul of Tarsus was a man, he was, he was a learned man, in the scriptures. He knew the first five books of the Bible, backwards, forwards. He could recite them to you. I, I mean, th this guy knew the, the, 
the Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, no problem. Hands down, could, could take care of business and could teach it and tell it to anyone who needed to hear it. And, and his job at that time, before he became Paul, before the Lord changed his name, how many of you know sometimes the Lord's got to change us a little bit before we can be used for him? So before, so before Saul could go as Paul, Saul was going around and he was actually detaining Christians. He was detaining those who were proclaiming Jesus as Lord and Savior because he was under the auspices that Jesus didn't come in the name of the Father or he didn't have the recognition that some of us have in our hearts to know Jesus as our Savior. He was still under the understanding that the Lord had not sent him. But yet, when he came, when he was coming to this town, when he's coming to this city, the Bible says that he was struck down by a light from heaven and was blinded. And while he was blinded, he cried out. He said, who blinded me? And Jesus said, it was me. Why do you come to persecute me and my people? For shouldn't you be speaking the name of the Lord? And so from that time on, the, the, the name Saul became Paul. God had changed him on that road to Damascus. And I want to encourage you this morning, you might be on a road of your own. If you don't know the Lord, it's not happenstance that you're here this morning. You're on that journey of life. You're on that moving forward in what you may feel you're called to do. You know, Saul didn't think that he was doing the wrong thing. In fact, he thought he was doing the righteous thing. He thought he was doing the Lord's work until the Lord said, hold on, you're going the wrong way at the wrong time, at the wrong season, at the wrong pace. You've got to stop what you're doing and turn around and follow me. Some of us need a revelation this morning about stopping and turning around and following me. You know, repentance, and, and I'm not going to get into the uh, dynamic of, of uh, what, what it, uh, uh, specifically if you want to come and get saved and, and know the Lord, and the Bible says to proclaim with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and you shall be saved. That is what the Bible says, and I, I agree with that. But I also agree with the fact that we have to turn from our wicked ways. There's a, there's a repentance level that has to happen in our heart, in our lives, where we've got to turn around from the things that we've been doing, and we've got to start focusing on what the Lord has for us, especially if we want to be a tool in the, in the Master's hands. Amen? And, and that's, that's what Paul was getting in tune here with, was that he was going to be an instrument or a tool in the master's hands. He was going to find significance in the master's hands. You see, Paul did not become significant in the Lord's hands until he had his full attention. He became significant when he decided that he was going to fully invest his life in him. These tools in this toolbox, they don't become significant to me until I pick one up and got to start using it. You know, this thing could sit in this toolbox uh, you know, for, for years, for decades. And unless somebody picks it up, guess what? It doesn't matter a hoot. You could have the coolest tool on the planet, and, and if, you, if it's not used, guess what? It finds no significance. If I go to uh, uh, any of the box stores, if I go to Harbor Freight, how many of you go to Harbor Freight? Anybody, any guys go to Harbor Freight? I love going to Harbor Freight. Because, well, I used to love it even more when there was free coupons. All right, I'm a free guy. Give me a coupon that says free on it. I'll be there. I'll drive 50 miles to get the free thing. Um, so, I, you know, you'd go there, and they always got cheap, you know, stuff that's kind of cool, kind of needed. And I thought forever there would be no way I would ever need a, uh, a plate that is magnetized. Why in the, who in the world would need a plate that's magnetized that I can throw items in that would magnetically stick to them? 
until I'm putting together some crazy thing from Ikea that's got 80,000 bolts and parts and things all around my living room. I, I can't find them, so I'm thinking, why did I not just get this bowl that's got this magnetized and put them in there so I can grab them one by one? But, but I found significance in that tool when I found a need for it and a purpose for it. And in this case, in this situation, Paul is needed so much that, that the Lord says to Ananias, not only is he going to be a tool in my hand, but he is a chosen tool in my hand. And this morning, you are a chosen tool in the Master's hand. You are a chosen instrument by the Lord. You have been called with a purpose. You have a plan and a destiny. God didn't put you in your family for no reason. Now, you might not like your family, but it doesn't matter. You're there for a reason. You may not like your neighbors, but you're there for a reason. You may not like wherever you're at working, but you're there for a reason. And, and if it's not for, you know, it may just be for a season, but there's still a reason in it, and you need to be exemplifying the Lord in this season of your life so that you can be shown a significant tool in the Master's hands. Now, secondly, this morning, we want to understand what it means to be available for the Master's use. We got to be available for the master's use. About 12, 13 years ago, I was driving uh, to church and I got on off the freeway onto 10 Mile, and my car started to do this, kind of like I didn't, you know, I didn't know if I was going to get here. Finally, made it up the parking lot, barely to a parking spot, and the car just went, just like that. And then you know when you turn the car and you turn the key and it goes, click, click, click. Click, click, and then you turn it again, and you, it, there's nothing. And you're going, okay, well, must be a battery. I, I, that's my first guess. Um, I'm not a mechanic in any means, but I've been on the side of the road enough times to know, okay, there's a few things. I've got a battery. I've got, uh, you know, other, other stuff going on. So, so I said, okay, it's probably the battery. So let's go look at the battery. And I had a car at that time that I could actually take the battery out of. I mean, today's cars, I don't even know if you can. Um, but, but I happen to have a car. You can prop the hood up, see the battery. It's right there, highly visible. Okay, there's some bolts there. Let's figure out how to get these bolts off um, and, and take this battery somewhere where I can swap it out. So I'm, uh, I, I'm looking at these bolts going, okay, i got to have a tool to get these bolts off. And I, I come into the church, and I go downstairs, and I'm, I probably am looking in this exact toolbox here. And I'm looking for a socket. For those of you that don't know what a socket is, here's a socket. Um, here's a socket. All right, so, so this, I'm going to put on, the, on a bolt, and I'm going to twist it off to get the bolt off so I can take the battery out. Well, I found the, the correct socket, which is amazing, because any of you that have a socket set know you're always missing the socket you need for the job that you're trying to do. And so sure enough, I got a 10-millimeter socket. That's the one I need. I find it. I go outside, put it on the socket wrench, put it on the battery post, take the bolt off, and I take the bolt off, take the bolt out, well, this socket somehow falls off the socket wrench and falls into the engine compartment somewhere. And I'm looking for five or ten minutes, and I'm looking with my flashlight for five or ten minutes, and then I had a, somebody from the church here come up to me and say, are you okay? I said, yeah, I'm okay. I'm all right. I'm looking for a socket. I'll find it. No problem. Get under the car, look for it under the car. Hey, I'm not finding it. So as, as with anything, um, the, the first course of, of things to do when you lose a tool is to go try and find the same tool, right? Like, I should have another 10-millimeter socket somewhere. Um, so I come in the church here, and I literally search for 30 minutes, and there's no other tool. 
Uh, because, of course, you, you, you're, first you're amazed that you found the right socket. You're never going to have a second one, right? So don't have the second socket. So then i got to find a, an extra tool to do this job with. So I finally find a wrench, and I'm able to go out there, take the post off, go take the battery up, get the battery replaced. Oh, hallelujah, it was a great day. And on the way back, I bought another 10-millimeter socket and put the battery back on. Thank the Lord for tools and for their significance and for their availability because when, when a tool is available, it's easy to get a job done. But when it's not available or you lose it or it's not around, then it's going to take you twice or three times longer to do things. And in Romans 12, it's interesting here, we hear a story about uh, being available. Paul says this, he says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Paul here, he proclaims, he, he doesn't, he, I, I don't even think it, proclaim is such a, a low word in regards to what he says here. He, he's making a statement like you have to. This is required of you. You must present yourself acceptable to the Lord. You must be transformed by the renewal of your mind. You must make yourself available to be used by Jesus. You know, if I don't use a tool in this tool chest, uh, it, first of all, it's not fulfilling its purpose. It's not fulfilling what, what it was called to do, what it was built to do. It's not completing the task that it has for it to be accomplished. Now, um, I, l- let, me, let me clarify some things this morning. I'm not saying that if you choose to not do what God's called you to do, that it's not going to get done. I am fully invested in the fact that God is sovereign and his, his job will be accomplished whether you want to participate with them or not. But how glorious it will be if you will accomplish those things with the Lord. You know, the Lord wants to partner with you. He wants to use you. He wants to take you into his hands as the master and use you to operate and to, and to produce the love and joy and peace that he has for this world. But in part of that process, it requires us to not be conformed to the world. Why? Because when he uses us in such a way, when he, when he uses us in a way to glorify him and to bring glory to him, we may have the opportunity to take on the opportunity of saying, man, that, that, was, that was all me. Hmm, I did that well, didn't I? And, and we can't live like that because that's not the way that God's called us to live. In fact, just the opposite. We are to proclaim him above ourselves. So when something gets done and, and God takes us through something and, and, and there's a great testimony at the end of it, hey, you know, that's great and all, and I'm glad I was available, but I'm glad God let me do that with him. I'm glad God chose me to be a part of that. Some of us forget that being renewed in our mind and transformed means that we need to be in full understanding and full hearing of what God is saying to us. You know, for, for far too long, some of us have been reading books and, and listening to tapes. And I'm not saying it's not good. Tapes. Who listens to a tape? It tells you how old I am. Some of us have been, have been investing in things that encourage us from a strictly uh, emotional perspective. We've been encouraged in our emotions. We've been encouraged in our mind. We've been encouraged in 
the things of this world because we've been listening to all the things that are saying you're lovely, you're pure, you're, you, you, you don't look ugly. I don't know whatever it is that, that you know, inf infiltrates you on a daily basis. But the reality is, is that we are supposed to be renewing our mind by the hearing of the Word of God. And if you don't have the hearing of the Word of God coming into you, you're not going to be renewing your mind. I don't care how many self-help books you read. I don't care how many YouTube channels you watch that think that they're speaking to you. If, they, if it's not the Word of God going into your ear, you are not renewing and transforming your mind. And so this morning, I'm not telling you how to do that. You decide how that happens. I mean, I listened to, um, I was going to say book on tape, but who, again, nobody has tapes. <laughs> Listen to the Bible on a podcast every morning. And that's my way to 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 get myself transformed, get my mind transformed into the will of God and to understand what God wants me to do by hearing the word and allowing it to permeate me on a daily basis. And for you, it, maybe it's different. Maybe you need to read it out loud. Maybe you need to get up in the morning and take your kids and say, you know what, kids, we're going to read such and such scripture this morning. Maybe you need your spouse to, to read it to you. You know, let's do this, spouse. I want you to read this scripture to me this morning, and let me read it back to you. Maybe you just need to read it yourself. You need to sit in your easy chair with your nice cup of coffee and start, you know, write at John 1-1 and start reading through it. Whatever that is, make that a habit because when you make that a habit, it will impact you. It will transform you. It will clean you out to the point where you're ready to go on the day. You know, when a, when a, when a master craftsman uses a tool, not these tools because these tools aren't used by master craftsmen, okay? <laughs> but, but if you've ever been to somebody's house that's, that is a master craftsman, um, their tools are pristine. It's not that they're not used. It's not that they're not used for the purpose that they're supposed to be used for. It's that when they're done with the job, they took the time and effort to clean that tool because they knew in cleaning that tool they could make it ready for the next time they need to use it. Sometimes we get in the habit of just going day after day after day and forget about the fact that we need to renew our mind. we got to clean our mind out with the Word of God. Amen? Amen. Let's move on. Last point here, a tool is not jealous when another tool is used. A tool is not jealous when another tool is used. If I used, let's see a tool that I actually know the name of in here. Um, if I use these needle nose pliers, some of you are excited that I knew that. Um, so if I use these needle nose pliers this morning for some type of uh, project, um, this, uh, let's see, this wire stripper, is not going to get jealous because I use this tool. They're two different tools. They do two different things. And so if I use this, it's not jealous. This tool isn't jealous that I use this for that project. How many of us get jealous about what the Lord is doing through other people? Hmm. It's a hard one this morning, isn't it? Maybe you, maybe you woke up, you came here, and you're listening to Christian radio or whatever, and you're like, man, why can't I sing like that guy? Maybe you were watching some ev evangelist on TV or on YouTube, and you're like, yeah, wh why can't I be at that crusade? Maybe in, in, maybe in your Christian walk, you haven't had the opportunity to show off God like you've seen so many other people do. And so you start thinking to yourself, hmm, start getting jealous, start getting a little bitter, start getting a little bit... Uh, un, unknown, and, and some of that is because we don't 
maybe we haven't sought the Lord in regards to what his calling is for us and his purpose is for us. But some of it is just human nature. Some of it is our humanness creeping back up. Some of it is our own personality saying, hey, I want to take over and I want to be known and I want people to look at me. Well, here's what we find out that Paul says to the Corinthians when they start to get in this situation. He says to them, what then is Apollos? Or who then is Apollos? And what is Paul? Servants through whom you believe. These are the, the Christians in Corinthians. As the Lord assigned to each, I planted, meaning Paul saying that, Apollos watered, but who brought the increase? Who brought the growth? God brought the growth. Okay? This, the Christ Community Church is not going to fulfill its vision and purpose to impact this community by making disciples of Christ because Pastor Tim is up here on stage or Pastor Steve is up here on stage or Pastor Greg or Pastor Emily or Pastor Ron are doing what they're called to do. The purpose and things that are going to happen through Christ Community Church are going to happen through the church, through the body of believers. We're in, a, we're, we're in a season right now that we're calling We Not Me. And we're recognizing that we are the church. Everybody that's here in body and is serving the Lord is part of Christ Community Church, is, is an integral part of what we're trying to accomplish here on what we call our territory, from 8 Mile to 16, from the lake to Grosbeck. That's the area that God has encompassed us to be a part of, has encompassed us to impact by making disciples. And we can't, and, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, I tell this to our new members when we have our new members class, I will never, th there may be people that I will never meet in your group, in your influence, in your family, but there are people that you will meet and that you can impact for the, for the gospel, for Jesus, by living a righteous life, by doing what God has called you to do, by being that chosen vessel, by being an instrument in the master's hands. And that's where we are this morning. We need to be ready and available for the Lord to use us. So the Bible ends up here in Corinthians. It says this, So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God gives the growth. And so what a great reminder this morning that we need to recognize God as the one who gives the growth and as the one who is the master of our lives. So this morning, I don't know if you may fit in one of these three categories, but in closing, I want you to consider this. Are you a chosen instrument in the master's hands? Would you say to me today, Pastor Steve, I know the giftings and callings God has on me. If you asked me today, if I asked you today and said, what are some of the giftings that God's given you? and that you've impacted others, could you tell me them? Could you speak them out? Could you write them down? Secondly, do you feel like you are transformed and renewed in your mind? Have you been allowing the Holy Spirit to renew your mind through the hearing of God's Word? Or do you just take it as, you know, happenstance on a Sunday morning when you're here and get a little bit of Scripture and not, take it and not do anything else throughout the week? Or lastly, do you find yourself giving into not giving God the praise when you have a testimony? Where are you at this morning in your life with the Lord? We're going to go back into a time of worship, and I want you to consider these three things. Do you know what the giftings and callings are on your life? Are you being transformed and renewed in your mind? 
And are you giving God the praise for the things that he's accomplishing in your life and through you? Let's pray as we go back into worship.